Hey folks, this is Anatoly, and you're listening to the Solana Podcast. Um, and this is season three. And today I have an awesome guest, Michael Wagner, CEO of Star Atlas, uh, who's building a, a metaverse game on Solana. So really cool to have you. Awesome, Anatoly. Really great to be here. Looking forward to the chat. Cool. So um, do you want to kind of intro yourself and, you know, intro what is a metaverse game and kind of like what, what is Star Atlas's take on, on the space? Absolutely. I'll, I'll give some just quick background on my work experience. So really come from the traditional finance space, working in the world of portfolio management, investment and securities analysis. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Bitcoin and altcoins through uh, script mining with GPUs in 2013. The industry immediately captivated me and really just grabbed my attention. And despite coming in at relatively poor timing, being at the the top of a cycle at the end of 2013, you know, dedicated myself to learning as much as I could about the industry and just pursued virtually every aspect of the evolution of both blockchain and cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and other aspects since then. And the industry has really captivated me this whole time, went on to launch my first company in 2016. At the end of 2016, this was a crypto and cannabis company. It was called the Tokes Platform back then. It lives on today as multi-chain ventures. And over the course of 2020, monitoring the trends in both NFTs and DeFi, uh, as well as seeing progress in layer one protocols, we set out and conceptualized the vision behind Star Atlas. And with respect to Star Atlas, I guess I would just start by describing what it isn't, which is we are not strictly building a game. It's a very ambitious vision, uh, and there's a lot to it, which I'm sure we'll get into today. But in effect, we like to describe Star Atlas across three different pillars or three different layers. So the first of which is the video game concept. The second component of Star Atlas is financial incentives and decentralized economy delivered via blockchain integration. And then the third component of the project, which is really the longer tail opportunity as we see it, is the metaverse concept itself. So let me just start with the game aspect and, and say that you know one of the things that we wanted to accomplish when we were setting out to build this model out was to deliver one of the first, if not the first, AAA gaming experiences on blockchain. And so for us, you know, that means being able to attract a mainstream audience, the global population of gamers, and maybe potentially just the entire global population as we get more into the metaverse. But something, you know, we wanted to deliver this experience that would be both entertaining, enjoyable, a good way to spend your time, but then couple that with the ability to monetize time spent in game. So we are building Star Atlas as a space-themed MMO. You can consider it an MMO RTS or RPG. But the general premise is, is uh, hop into a spaceship and go explore the universe, navigate the stars. So it's space exploration themed. There's uh, strategy components of territory control, of political domination. There's high stakes PvP in the game. And you know it, it extends out to items like full asset destruction and permadeath in some of the most dangerous areas of space. So th that's kind of core principle of where we want to go with the video game itself. We're coupling that, as I said, with the financial incentives that we can deliver via blockchain. So that's, you know, a starting point for us was, okay, well, every asset in the game should be delivered as a non-fungible token, as an NFT, so that these players can genuinely individually possess all of the assets that they're playing with. So everything from your ships to your crew, components for your ship, 
modules, the virtual land that you're buying, buildings and structures that you're placing on that land, all of these items are NFTs. In addition to that, both of the tokens that are used in the game are crypto native assets. So we have we have two. Uh, the first is Atlas, which is the in-game transactional currency. This is essentially the, the lubricant of the economy within the game, most comparable to uh, in-game gold in, in other games. So this will be necessary for all operating expenses, for purchasing things like consumables, for repairing your ship, Re, uh, refueling your ship or upgrading items over time. And it's also the item that most players will be earning when they're actually engaged in gameplay. The second token that we have in the game is, is a form of a governance token, which in and of itself is also dual purposed. Within the game metaverse, Polis will be used for the political domination strategic aspect of the game. And it also will provide benefits to the holders of that token in that they have the ability to effectively politically control regions of space. We believe this will be used quite heavily in our guild system, which is a decentralized autonomous corporation in the Star Atlas lexicon. And effectively, if a player is not in a clan or somehow involved with the individual or group of individuals that have ownership of the political domination in that space, then that other player can do things like impose taxes or set laws or rules or fines or fees on other players that are operating within the space that they control. Outside of the game, this is it's far more comparable to what we're seeing in other decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs, in that the players or the holders will have the ability to influence long-term development decision-making processes that we make as a game development company. So things like economic decisions, uh, you know, how many assets can be issued over time, or what is the long-term perpetual inflation rate in the game, or maybe more conventionally using it for things like determining which uh, features they want to see built out next, or which asset class or ship or area of space they want to see us develop out next. And then, uh, you know, the other way that we're utilizing blockchain technology is to provide in-game NFT marketplaces so that players have an easy path to exchange assets to purchase from not only us as, a, as the developer, but also from other players. And then ultimately be able to extract value that they've created by actually engaging in the game, spending time in the game, earning resources and um, and improving their assets, and ultimately being able to either you know sell that and directly upgrade to another uh, another asset that's in the game, or if they determine that they don't want to play anymore, they have an easy path out, and all of the time that they spent was was worth something beyond just the entertainment value. And then, uh, so the third component would be the metaverse, which um, essentially limitless potential here. We envision this as a true alternative life that can be lived within within inside the Star Atlas metaverse and could really go down the rabbit hole here. But let me just say that our ambition is to build out a sustainable, perpetual economy in which not only players of Star Atlas, but individuals of all types, creators and entrepreneurs can enter into the metaverse can create content for themselves, can create value and add value back into the economy of Star Atlas, and then in the same way, find creative means to extract that value back out for themselves that aren't contingent on our subsidy or the distribution of Atlas or the distribution of Polis. We want to enable a, a whole new 
industry of entrepreneurs to live and operate with Inside Star Atlas. Did you, um, I, I mean, I kind of grew up in the 90s playing video games and I remember like, the, it was kind of like late 90s were the golden age for massive online games. Did you ever play like Ultima Online and like EverQuest and then, you know, EVE Online, World of Warcraft? I, I have been an MMO addict since uh, for as long as I can remember. And totally, I, I grew up in the same era. My formative years were in the 90s. And we, we had a group of computer friends, if you will, our, our high school group. We called ourselves the Lanarchists. Um, so back in those days, you know, there wasn't really uh, immediate access to high-speed Ethernet. And so the only way you could really play PvP with your friends was to bring your computer over to their house. And oftentimes that meant lugging a, a big computer tower and your CRT monitor, getting all local area network connected, landing, and playing video games. And we spent many, many weekends just drinking Mountain Dew, eating pizza, and, and playing video games all weekend. I personally was very fond of MMOs, which didn't really get played at LAN parties. They were more first-person shooters like your Doom and Quake and Half-Life and Tribes and, and games like this. But yeah, I played I played some Ultima Online, although I came in at the tail end of that. I spent a ton of time in Asheron's Call, which is a, a lesser-known title, but lo- loved that game. Um, absolutely got into Dark Age of Camelot. I played some Warhammer Online. I played some World of Warcraft played a little EVE online. So I can tell you, I've, I've sunk more time into these games than I'd care to admit. And it was one of the pieces of inspiration for why we wanted to create this, this model of gaming where you can actually you know, monetize and earn value back for that investment of time. Yeah, even now, like those games, I mean, like RuneScape is like an ancient one. There's always like, when I, when I was getting super into EverQuest, I remember people estimated that the EverQuest economy is it was bigger than a few like real world economies in terms of GDP just from people buying gold and, and like selling items to each other. It really feels like what you see in crypto, especially around NFTs, is kind of the same thing. Like people just look, <laughs> people want these virtual goods for fun, right? And they're willing to spend real dollars on it. And all of a sudden, you get like, you know, the only way to produce these goods is through like in game action. You end up kind of creating jobs if you will for people right it's bizarre bizarre thing happened right that's and that's exactly how we're thinking about this you know especially again longer term is um one of the experiences that's being created is the video game itself so if if you want to hop into a spaceship and go you know go explore the stars and go attack uh and engage in pve missions player versus environment missions you can do that but alternatively, you could also just use this universe as a as a place to meet and collaborate and form community, right? Like you, you could spend your entire time just living on a space station where maybe you operate a digital art gallery, for example. You know, I think this is we're looking at this as a as an immediate opportunity because of how much NFTs are trending. But I mean, if you want to be the curator of NFT art, you can host that in a building that you own in Star Atlas and then use that as your gallery to sell this NFT art to other people, right? I mean, there's like, it's just, as I said, the the opportunities are virtually endless in terms of where we can go with the way that people interact with the sandbox itself, you know, with the metaverse itself. And then we're just trying to enhance that with various experiences that we're building out. And Star Atlas, the video game is the first of those. Um, when I started playing like Ultima and I, didn't play too much of Astronaut's Call, but those games were 
really um like they didn't have any like bumpers yeah. <laughs> like ultima online you can get like killed in the middle of a city <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and you know the guards would show up and try to take that the evil player out and they would their karma would go bad and like then it'd be hard for them to even go into a city but it seemed like the world started trending towards like more um more sandbox style where you're kind of have like these safety nets in, in some parts and more open pvp style playing and others what do you guys like what is your kind of vision for this yeah so i mean we're, we're throwing the safety net to the wind um i'm with you again growing up in that era where it it was ruthless you know i, I have stories for days about ultima online i mean essentially like hiding out behind people's houses and then yeah. sneaking in and murdering them and stealing all their stuff and taking their house and you know like you're right that trend or, or that that kind of um dynamic is gone in most games most people don't really well, I don't know if there's a desire for it or not, but I can tell you that we are implementing those features again, where th- this is our <laughs> high stakes, high rewards model, right? So like, if you want to go explore deep space, we, we have this tiered out in three different risk zones, if you will. There are three factions in the game and then three risk zones within each faction. And when you land in the game, naturally, you want to be in a safe space so you can at least learn the controls, learn how to play the game. And so uh, essentially you can't be attacked or hurt by other players and even the PVE in that area will be pretty low risk. However, the rewards there are naturally the lowest. You can explore out into our medium risk zone wherein you you can be attacked by players, uh, you can be killed by players, your equipment can be attacked and taken offline, but it's non-permanent death. You just respawn, right? Maybe with some penalty or some cost to repair your items, but otherwise you, you respawn into the universe. Now, if you have the desire to, you go out and explore into deep space, which is the high risk zone. And in this zone, if you lose an engagement with another player or more likely, a, a fleet of ships that are all playing together, your asset, your NFT gets gets burned off the chain. It gets permanently destroyed and the other players get to recapture or salvage some of those items. And so, you know, they might capture an ejected crew member or some of the components or modules off your ship or even a, a salvaged hull of some sort. For us, this is important because there is a kind of a theme in most video games, and that is hyperinflation, just naturally because of the way that new assets get created and distributed. In our case, everything is naturally finite. And by having this NFT destruction process in place, we actually create deflation in the economy. We create more rarity in the items after they've been destroyed, uh, thereby supporting the intrinsic value of the items that we are selling as a developer. But yeah, man. I mean, no no holds barred. We want people to go out there and, and build massive fleets of ships and go engage in high stakes combat. Do you think, like, I I remember, like, just <laughs> the first, like, the, the memories I remember of, of Ultima are both, like, the awesome parts of, like, getting something, pulling out something really difficult and surviving and then also like just getting killed at random, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like as frustrating as that was, I I like I don't remember much of World of Warcraft, which kind of lacked a lot of that. Um, yeah. Do you do you think like the metaverse ultimately is like a a harsh like a harsh environment? <laughs> like is that what's going to like kind of make it more fun at the end of the day? I think so. Or like yeah, honestly, man. I mean, you know, we we're not. <sighs> But again, you know, what we're not building here is just this like easy path to money just by playing either, 
right? Like we we want we expect a lot of the systems that are in place in the real world, from you know from politics to economics to socialism, society, these are going to be need to be created through the gameplay itself. And we don't we don't want to put those rails around it and protect everybody. You know, this is a harsh reality. There's a lot of opportunity there, but you have to go out and get it, right? Kind of a, a new America moment. Take the chance. Take the chance. Go out and get it. And the people who take the biggest chances, the biggest risks, are going to be the ones that are theoretically the most rewarded, with the exception of if they're, you know, if they're not managing that risk and and then losing items or losing assets. But we see this as, as a, a very close simulation to reality. Like, uh, it's funny. I don't know. Amer- an America moment is like a funny way to put it. Like, to me, like, I, I don't know if Ultima Online would have been successful without it. Like, I don't think it would have attracted the people, that, like the diehards. And I'm wondering if this is like a metaverse frontier needs to be harsh because the people that are willing to spend a lot of time in it are the ones that like <laughs> enjoy getting randomly blown up. <laughs> uh, the risk, right? The risk is appealing in, in a lot of ways. I I love it myself. I mean, even one of the games that I've most recently been playing is The Division 2. And they, you know, they have their their dark zones, right? So you go into the dark zone and it's it's uh, anybody can attack anybody. In a sense, it's a similar model wherein you, you have to opt in there. You're not there intrinsically, but if you decide that you want to go explore the dark zone because there are you know better rewards in there, well, that's entirely up to you as a player. And, and likewise, I think even going back to the Ultima online days and games where there aren't as many controls in place is it's exhilarating. Like it definitely gets the heart rate going. Another popular game right now is Escape from Tarkov, and I haven't played that myself, but I've talked to a number of people who have, and it it just sounds like you know, you're fighting for your life the entire time. And if you die, it's permanent death. You lose all your stuff. And, you know, but, but those times when you do, as you said, when you do escape with a big win, man, how good does it feel? You know? So it's kind of playing with with the extremes of emotion. Yeah. Do you, uh, I mean, like, I think that part of it is really fascinating as like a way to engage those early adopters. Um, It's like very similar to crypto, right? High risk, high reward. Like the people that, tend to get into crypto or you know the crazy ones at least at first and now we're maybe seeing a bit more mainstream adoption um do you think the economies in 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 these games will develop to that level again to like what we saw in like everquest and like you know like at the height of it i think it was trading like higher than some european countries like the overall economies well just on your on your first point about the demographic of say crypto enthusiasts is that definitely is where we pulled some inspiration i have no reservations about saying that i'm i'm pretty much a straight up degenerate gambler when it comes to altcoins like this is i've you know made fortunes and lost fortunes since 2013 just by speculating and trading and trying to get get an edge get information get ahead of someone else i mean defi itself is is a pure gamification of of finance i mean there's some frustration there but it's also fun to kind of jump between pools and figure out different strategies on how you can maximize your yield and you know what strategy do you have for yield farming where you can pick up spreads i mean all of these things are just like mechanics that feel very game-like in nature. And the payoff is obviously the yield, you know, depending on whatever protocol you're using. So, but yeah, I, I think our game will be especially appealing to that audience just because it's people that are inherently risk-seeking, 
you know, as opposed to risk averse. So we'll see how many people actually go out and, and explore deep space in the game. But, you know, there should be pieces of content to engage with, regardless of the, if you want to go with the with the real high risk uh, component. And I'm sorry, what was your, your second question? The, like the development of these economies. I, I wouldn't be surprised, like, if one of these things ends up being, you know, as big as like a, I don't know, like a medium-sized country, I don't know, like United Kingdom or, or California. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but if enough people keep playing this, there's like real kind of value created from the entertainment alone. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And, and that's why I was saying, you know, uh, so we've gone out and done analysis on, you know, gamer demographics, on people that are uh, on gambling demographics, on crypto demographics, on NFT demographics. We've done research into all of these independently. And let's just say the game audience, you know, there's over 2.7 billion people globally that play video games on a daily basis uh, in various categories. But, you know, again, if, if we are actually successful in building out the metaverse concept, which isn't reliant on any particular gameplay, but rather reliant on the ability to create opportunities for people, quite literally anybody in the world could find a place for themselves in the metaverse. And so, I mean, if that's reality, then then the economic potential of the game dwarfs any individual country, I would say. You know, effectively, we could create an, an entire replicate economic system in the game mimicking what we've seen in the real world today. All of the financial instruments in the world, all of the savings, all of the monetary supply, all of these things could essentially exist within the game. Now, again, that's very ambitious and we'll see you know, if and when we ever get there, but I, I do believe in that potential. And then another great game to analyze for the robustness of the economy and, and a game we took inspiration from was EVE Online. I mean, you, you essentially, need to be an investment banker to <laughs> to to fully capture value from that game um the the amount of research that goes into the supply chain in the game and and there's some great videos out on youtube by the way for people that have done analysis on the economy and the gdp and essentially per capita gdp and and so we we do see star atlas going in that direction how do you think will developers be able to kind of join the development like like I think, like the the cool thing about this is that this is built on blockchain and crypto, and it's not like a it, it's decentralized, right? Like, like to me, there's something really amazing about the possibility of uh, like the people that are playing the game also having the opportunity to modify it and like kind of continue the development of it well after like you guys are like you know potentially done with it. Yes, uh, on a couple of fronts. So, you know, I would say the nearest term opportunity would be some form of player created content. And, and that could be something like a customized skin, right, that we allow to be sold in the game. And you can apply it to your ship or to your character or, or apparel lines, you know, um, having some discussions currently with, uh, with various designers that we could actually implement say Louis Vuitton, right? You could buy a Louis Vuitton jacket in game if you wanted to, just, just things of this nature. That's probably the easiest thing. The next step for us would be to enable some form of SDK where people can actually build out more elaborate content, maybe building structures, art, um, that can then be implemented into the game. The, the third part of this is where we get into people being able to create their own businesses within the within the metaverse that's kind of unrestricted from the framework that we're currently building 
And then, of course, as you said, you know, with blockchain, I, I think what's really attractive here is because all of the assets are living on chain, there's there's nothing preventing another game developer from recognizing those assets. You know, if another game developer is building on Solana and they want to recognize a ship or a character or an avatar or something from our game, then they can easily do so. And then that can be a playable asset within their game. We also have this uh, a little bit of, uh, we're, we're calling it an arcade now. We're still in early talks on, on discussions internally on this. So not sure that this will be something that we actually implement, but think of it effectively as a, as a rack of games. It's, it's an arcade wherein all of the games that are hosted on the Star Atlas minigame portal in some way incorporate the actual underlying NFTs that we're selling. But the game experiences that are created around them differ depending on whoever the developer is. And so, you know, if, if you, for example, want to build out Risk the Board game, but on blockchain and use Star Atlas assets, you, all you have to do is develop out the, the game itself. We implement it into our, our arcade, and then people can just spend some time playing that. Or, you know, again, limitless potential here. It, it could be virtually any style of, of gameplay that somebody wants to create. So I do think that there's a real beauty, though, in having assets within one game universe be able to transcend that metaverse into alternative experiences. How do you guys like prioritize on scope, like development? Because this is kind of really, really open-ended in terms of what can be done. I mean, our big focus right now is on delivering the actual game experience. So that's that's why I'm describing the metaverse as this long tail opportunity for us, because it's it, it certainly isn't our focus and is going to require a significant amount of experimentation to actually execute on. But for us, it's, it's delivering that AAA quality game experience. Um, you know, we're building it in Unreal Engine 5. Uh, when that becomes available, we're using UE4 now. So it's going to be of the highest graphical fidelity, cinematic quality uh, graphics rendered in real time. And uh, yeah, I mean, we want this to be just fun, a great way to spend some time. And, and with the added benefit of being able to participate in financial incentives via blockchain. So for us, it's making sure that we deliver this this initial experience, the main attraction, and then expanding around that. So yeah, and we've got a nice roadmap ahead of us in terms of how we're going to execute on that. Effectively, the next major milestone for us is coming up in April towards the end of the month, and we will be launching an NFT collectible series that we're calling Rebirth. Now, this is pure digital art related to the game. It's actually our way of introducing some of the backstory and lore to Star Atlas. Um, it's the genesis of the metaverse, if you will, and it will be a 14-week series of posters. Uh, they, one comes out every week. They're all limited edition. And um, there's some really neat mechanics that we're introducing. I don't want to reveal too much, but in essence, you know, high quality art, it's going to be animated. There's going to be a VR overlay there on every piece and some nice structuring in the way that we're releasing the content. Um, so that takes us up through July, which is where we'll be delivering a, a mini game experience, as we're calling it. So this is an in-browser version of Star Atlas. Uh, there are 3D components and elements, but primarily it was it, it's our method of getting players engaged in the content as early as possible. And also being able to incorporate feedback from them over time based on their based on their gameplay feedback. And so you'll be able to do things like configure your ship. Uh, starting with the hull, adding components, 
adding um, adding crew members to this, specializing in various aspects of uh, you know whatever your desirable gameplay is, and then creating a loadout score for yourself, essentially a loadout for the way you've constructed your ship. And then there's also uh, a land claim gameplay loop, a space station gameplay loop, as well as our own version of of a loot box uh, system that we call Salvage Wars. But in addition to the gameplay, this will allow players to immediately start extracting some value through uh, through things like staking, uh, mining land, participating in liquidity pools and AMMs through the DeFi that's implemented into the game, and, and otherwise generating some yield on your assets. What about combat? What one is like the? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. So we don't have any combat in the uh, in the initial deployment of the mini game, although this is where. As I was describing the arcade system, somebody could essentially set up a PvP arena for people to use Star Atlas assets and combat and compete against one another. We will potentially be enhancing the mini game over time. Although once we get that launched and stable, and uh, you know, picking up some adoption, our focus is is really going to be on building out the fully immersive version of the game. So you know, working in Unreal Engine to deliver the initial module, which we're projecting for Q2 of 2022. So next year, we should have a 3D version of the game that you can actually hop into, maybe even throw your VR headset on and, and start to explore the universe. The full game experience is, is probably three three to four years away, at least, I would say. Got it. Do you, do you think that like this could kind of... Like it's, if, you're, if you guys are successful, then imagine like the development will never, never end because... If I have enough assets in this game early on, I could go fund my own development team. <laughs> like, totally. It's five years from now. Absol- absolutely see this as something that could honestly live on forever. I mean, we, and even legacy games, you know, EVE Online, there's still quite a few people that play that game. And it's, it's what, 17 years old or, or something like that, 16, 17 years old at this point. So we obviously offer a lot of improvements over EVE because we're using more modern technology. So to your exact point, one of our ambitions is to eventually completely decentralize ownership of the game. So it's not us. You know, We have a responsibility as a centralized organization to bring something to market that is actually usable and enjoyable. But beyond that, with this governance system that's you know implemented from the start of development, people have the ability to essentially take this over and create it, you know, turn it into whatever they want to turn it into. And it's effectively using global consensus of players to create that experience. What's the hardest kind of thing to develop in these games? Like what, what is going to take kind of the most resources? The, I mean, they're just incredibly art heavy, you know? So, so we've gone from um, really just Danny Floyd, who's our chief product officer, who was uh, laying out the initial scope and, pre-production planning to over 25 people on the art team today through from you know concept to 3d modeling to animators uh, VFX and finish work it, it's just incredibly heavy on the art and creation side so we're in a pretty fortunate position though in that we're really building out production ready art even for the mini game and all of the assets that we're creating today that will be on display in the mini game will also be usable in Unreal Engine so we're cr- trying to create some efficiency in how we build out now so that we don't have to duplicate or redo effort going into the future. But by far, I would say most of the investment in human resources and time is going into that design work. Got it. 
are modern engines like something like in real five do they have like a lot of the physics worked out for space or is that still something that you guys would need to build out as well you know it's that's really a probably a better question for danny but my intuition and based on our past discussions i would say that most of that the physics engine and everything is already worked out for us right and and it, it's we're able to modify it but we have a great platform to start with so we're not recreating the wheel so to speak got it yeah um i mean i i did like a tiny bit of 3d programming like you know out of school basically like for fun and i remember those environments being you know you kind of had to do everything but imagine like you know unreal 5 it's it's like the fifth iteration of this uh, kind of amazing man even um there's a really cool again another really cool video on youtube that shows this um kind of automated character creation screen that can even do things like, uh, maybe this isn't so surprising with where we're at with facial recognition, but effectively, if you have the camera on your computer, you can pull up this application and it replicates your face in real time, as well as, you know, facial movements and things like talking, your lips will move at the, you know, to reflect what it is that you're actually saying. And that's, that's a tool that's out of the box that we can use from Unreal for, you know, all forms of character creation in game, which, you know, it's just such a huge advantage and head start for us to be building at this time, right on the precipice of Unreal Engine 5 coming out. So I think we're super fortunate if we had started this game three years ago, we probably would have gone down a path with an engine that we have to replace at some point, And that almost becomes, it really becomes impossible. You know, uh, one of our maybe closer competitors is, is uh, Star Citizen, you know, and they started building seven years ago, still in alpha state, but they also wanted to build their engine from scratch. And so, you know, that was a that was an executive decision that they're essentially locked into now, yep. right? And it, as a result of that decision, it's it slowed down some of their development. So we think, again, we think we're in a really good position with the technology that we selected as a platform to build on top of. And, and we do hope that this will help us expedite the delivery of the game. Did you ever get a chance to kind of listen to Tim Sweeney uh, talk about like the metaverse. I have not. My only claim to fame is that he liked one of my tweets. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's got a. He's got this podcast that he talks about it, and there's like that part of this world is, has so many dreamers because it touches like I, I don't know. I think it's just everybody that grew up in the '90s. You kind of went and saw the promise of the internet before you actually knew what it's going to be like, right? Like. You, we had, I had this idea that the internet is going to kind of move us into this like cyberpunk, like post world where um, we are living in like kind of two, two worlds at the same time. And it's a little bit of that, right? Like, but a lot of the, the fun parts are not there yet. Agreed. <laughs> and uh, we have to be careful, you know, because as I said, we're not, so we're not trying to create a utopia in the game where everything's just great and perfect you know there will be struggles and complications and obstacles to overcome but at the same time we don't want to create a, a dystopia in reality you know like <laughs> yeah we're not trying to make the matrix here so but but we do want to build in opportunities and ways to kind of break down systemic oppression you know we're, we're seeing a lot of interest from people that reside in developing countries where you know standards of living are significantly lower than more developed countries. So I think it's going to be just really interesting watching that develop over time. What are you, what are your thoughts on like VR? 
is that going to be like, do you think we're still going to be kind of in like VR as a, as a gimmick or is it going to be a primary platform? Yeah, I think, I think VR still has a long way to go, but I, I certainly don't think it's a gimmick. I, I, you know, I don't think it's going away by any means. Um, so, you know, our game and building an Unreal Engine will be VR capable upon launch. So for people that are interested in that experience, it's it's going to be available to them. I have a nice VR headset. I like to play racing games myself, playing Corsa currently, but I would venture to say that one of the most exhilarating ways to experience a game like Star Atlas would be to go out and, and buy a physical motion simulator which is I'm already scoping mine out. So buy your motion simulator, throw on the VR headset, and it will literally feel like you are flying a spaceship in space. I mean, you know, to the extent that that's accessible to you, that's how that's how I intend to play, and I think it'll create the most engaging and fun experience. What is uh, what like? I guess what is a motion simulator? Is it like fully like? Am I suspended where in, in like with a bunch of pulleys? Is that, is that kind of like... <laughs> it's, it's kind of like um, if you've ever been to, you know, like a Gameworks or uh, Dave & Buster's or something, you, you know, it's, uh, if you hop into those yeah. race car experiences where they're actually moving around as you're driving, you're feeling the bumps, right? So, oh, so it. yeah. uh, it's, it's degrees of freedom is kind of how they categorize these things. And, and some can only move in one or two directions, some can move in four directions, and then the the most um, advanced ones can move essentially in six degrees of freedom, which is virtually every direction, you know, sway and, and, uh, yep. and roll and up and down and forward and back. It's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I want to get it for multiple reasons. Uh, again, I like playing racing games and nothing, nothing feels better than feeling the road beneath you, but um, the only thing that might feel better than that is it's actually flying around in space. Yeah, that, that sounds really exciting, actually. Cool. Do you guys uh, foresee like kind of a, a ton of um, like developers jumping in and building mini games around this? Like as you mentioned earlier on, just reusing the content. I, I think I think some of that will be driven by the extent to which we support that type of activity. You know, we'd like to put together maybe a hackathon of sorts that uh, encourages people to build out features exclusive from what we're doing, but incorporating our assets. Um, and that's something that we would be happy to do and, and find a way to use, you know, tokenomic incentives to, to drive that type of development. Longer term, I think once we, once we build some momentum and mass behind us, people will be doing this on their own. And I, I want to emphasize that it is about decentralization and expanding opportunity to everyone. Whereas a lot of games, for example, will try to prevent the ability to, or prohibit the ability to sell your account or to farm gold and sell that um, on an exchange somewhere. And, and that's the type of activity that we want to encourage. That's the activity that we see is building a true economy within the game. And so very similarly, we won't be preventing developers. Like we're not gonna be filing cease and desist on people to build around our game or to use our content or to use our likeness. Like we want to encourage all of that. We think that that's just going to create more value overall for both the Star Atlas ecosystem as well as the Solana ecosystem, by the way, by by having all of these features that are created by a global community of, of people. So, yeah. And this is like, I think, do you, do you ever foresee that like the governance vote using Polis is going to like, 
update the engine with assets or like with with game with like mechanics that you guys didn't even build? Do you think like the the modding of this game could become like so developed to a level where it is truly decentralized, like self-directed development? I, I think that's that's the ambition. You know, whether or not that can actually be effectuated in reality is is still the question. What is it um, like? Committee by consensus doesn't yeah. doesn't typically work super well, um, which is one of the reasons why you know we're operating as this more centralized organization where all the decision-making comes from us initially because we understand the requirements to get a project like this out to market. If you start incorporating consumer or user feedback immediately, you're never going to get to a finished product. And so our goal is to get to that you know, essentially refined finished product, if you will, and then allow that to evolve over time. And if it evolves into a, a, a more decentralized um, product or purely decentralized product in the future, that would be fantastic. Now, what's the timeline on that? You know, it could be 10 years, could be 20 years, could be 50 years, um, assuming that, that the metaverse is still around. And it's something that I'd be happy to see. That's awesome. And that's a huge undertaking uh, because, yeah, I mean, like the challenge here is, uh, I think, is even is much greater than decentralizing governance for DeFi protocols because the development time takes so long. It takes so long to add like mechanics to to a game, um, and you know, art is expensive. Um, yeah, I I'm, I mean, like I think you guys are like like doing a gift, right? Like to give all this art and like make it reusable by other developers is is like oftentimes like big. Development shops don't do that at all, <laughs> which is really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think that, you know, this really, it, it might sound cliche, but it's not, it's really not about the money. That's not why we're doing this. We, this is something that we're passionate about. We're all diehard gamers at heart. We've all been in the crypto space for a long time. We see the potential of creating this uh, gift, if that's what you want to call it, you know, and, and de- delivering it to the world. But beyond that, from the economic standpoint, you know, everybody wants to get compensated for what they do. And I just don't have any concerns about us being able to extract fair value for ourselves um, over time through this creation without having to concern ourselves directly with things like intellectual property. You know, I, I, I genuinely believe that we're going to create this massive economic system and there will be numerous paths for us to extract our own um, kind of return on it. So we're in a pretty good spot there. And then also, you know, just, just the way that we're able to monetize our business initially is a complete break from traditional means where we didn't have to go through, you know, venture capital or selling equity per se to, to be able to fund the development of this project. You know, we're able to do it through a relatively immediate path to, to revenue, which is NFT asset sales. And, and through things like, you know, uh, selling tokens in the game and, and then, you know, there's perpetuity behind the business model that doesn't rely on having to report to some investor. Um, and so it just gives us a lot more liberty in, in how we operate long-term. What are you guys worried about? Well, I think you, I think you always have to worry about regulation, right? Especially when you're doing things that are somewhat against the grain. So uh, that, that I would say that's probably my biggest concern right now. I, it has nothing to do with our ability to build the game itself. Um, I, I, I'm quite confident in, in that aspect, but yeah, you know, it's anything in the crypto space in general requires um, quite a bit of uh, legal scrutiny. And so making sure that we're, 
you know, we're not breaking any laws and uh, creating long-term problems for ourselves is important to me, as well as for everyone else on the team and even the community. It's important that we don't do something that would compromise our ability to keep this going. And, you know, one of the challenges there is that we're, again, dealing with a global audience. And so regulatory frameworks around the world is they're considerably different. So it's, it's just a lot to a lot to monitor track and it and it is costly making sure that you have the best attorneys in place but you know these are things that we're considering now early on we're discussing with our attorneys and and so um you know i i think i think we'll be fine it's just something that needs to be monitored closely cool that's really exciting is there um we have like a, a few minutes left uh is there anything that you want to tell our listeners to watch out for like that that's going to be released really soon I, you know, the biggest thing is this this NFT collectible series that we're releasing in April, 14-week series. Um, there are going to be some tangential benefits to owning the art beyond just, you know, having possession of the NFT itself. So we'll be, we'll be putting some more um, information out related to the program, but definitely monitor us there. You know, follow us on Twitter. Uh, join our Discord. We're going to be doing some live video sessions in there, kind of AMAs. So uh, you'll be able to interact directly with us as the core development team. Uh, we're also on on Clubhouse occasionally, uh, so you can find us there. But uh, Telegram and Twitter and Discord are the best places to keep up with our press releases, our newsletter. And then we're also putting out regular work-in-progress shots that show the, the progress in art development over time. People have been loving the stuff that we're putting out. So if, if you want to you know, keep keep up with information like that, definitely follow us on social media. Super cool. Thank you so much, Michael. Thanks, Tully. Really appreciate the time with you. Cool.